to uh, join me this morning as we get going. Uh, we were, Liz and I were in Spain for two weeks on a missions trip, and uh, the big idea there is uh, we are trying to uh, help Iberia, not just Spain, Portugal and Spain, uh, plant or start uh, vineyard churches in the peninsula, Portugal and Spain, but to have churches uh, led by uh, Spanish leaders. And so uh, there are a number of vineyard churches and we are trying to help them grow and develop and start for them to start other churches. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, when we go on these trips, it's very hard to come back and, and tell you everything that happened because so much happens. But I asked Liz if she'd share at least one uh, story of one of our encounters uh, on this trip uh, just so that, you know, get an insight of where we're at. So, Liz, uh, if I get this going, there it is. Why don't oh, he you gave share? me the microphone. He thinks he's going to preach. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, for those of you that are new and this is the first time you've come in and you're like, what the heck? Why do they go to Spain? This is crazy. Um, that's okay. You'll, uh, you'll get to know how much um, we love going to Spain. But I, one of the things that I wanted to share this morning, like Rob said, there's so many different things. But I wanted to um, share that from the time we landed in Lisbon, um, and spoke to the pastor and his wife there, and all of all the way through the southern part of Spain on the hub, the fast train which goes a million miles an hour up to Barcelona. One of the things that is stays with me in all of these trips is although we're speaking a different language, hablo español, um, there's one unifying thing you see right throughout Spain, and that is people are exactly the same. They're just like we are here. People need God the same way we need God. They just need it in a different language. And we have here so much as a community, as a family, that we nurture each other and learn that we have the privilege to take there. And so we were open to whatever God was bringing us. We, we didn't have always set things we had to do. And everywhere we went, God brought someone in our path who needed prayer. And... It was incredible to do that, but there was one opportunity that I wanted to talk about. We were traveling from Cordoba to Osuna, which if any of you know, that's a little town in the middle of nowhere that we love. Uh, we go to all the time, and we were going with one of the pastors, and he took a detour to a seminary. Now, there are only four seminaries in Spain, and this is one of them. And he took us there by surprise. He used to teach there. Um, uh, theology, and we arrived, and it was an experience to be remembered. There were about 60 students beginning a worship service, all in Spanish, which I love, and they took us around the building, explained everything in broken English, and then they asked us, would we join their meeting and would we talk to their students? And it just doesn't seem like much, but this is a, this is a huge privilege. They don't know who we are. We could have said anything. They were being very brave to give us a microphone. And so we went in, they finished their worship, and we stood up, and we looked out. And when I looked out at these students, my heart just broke with joy. Because we go over, and we've gone over for many years to try and help the evangelical church grow in Spain. And yet here are 60 students speaking Spanish who want to love, who love Jesus and want to spread the gospel. And so we had an opportunity to, to share with them 
about how important and how, uh, what a privilege it is for them to study. I'm praying none of them go overseas, um, that they all stay in Spain. And the fact that they invited us back again to come and share in more detail with their students was a real privilege. But I just want to, to leave this with you, that you know, we think that we're in our little world and God is there sometimes and sometimes not. But I would encourage you to just realize that every human being on this planet, it doesn't matter what their circumstances, rich, poor, English, whatever language, is just like you. And when God brings an unforeseen opportunity your way, like he did for us, if you will step in and just pray for someone, you can have an experience right here in where you live, just like you would have if you went on a missions trip. And one of the encouraging things is when you go overseas to a country that speaks a different language, you realize that you are not the one with the power. God does. Because you can pray in English, and amazing things happen. You can pray in Spanish, and amazing things happen. You can pray in tongues, and amazing things happen, because it's God that does it. So I would encourage you here that, you know, take this as an encouragement that you have the opportunity, even if it's someone in your town who speaks a different language, to bring God to them. So, there you go. So again, as Liz was saying, that basically wanted us just to say something, blessing on the students. But as Liz started sharing, the power of God started moving. And when we left, the, the dean of the seminary said, when you guys come back, can you address the full student body in a whole session? So we will do that the next time we go back. Right, I am finishing up our great adventure through the book of Exodus. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, it's a, a book that is just so powerful and it's so applicable uh, to our lives today and to biblical thought and to understanding God. Uh, but today I want to talk about the presence of God and the importance of the, impre of the presence of God. And, you know, just asking yourself a very personal question because I titled this message, Would You Notice If God's Presence Was Removed From You? I mean, what would be different in your life if God's presence just like slowly evaporated? You didn't. Because for many people, uh, I think that's their experience with God and with church, that it, God just seems distant. Uh, but for all of us that have had this encounter with the presence and the power of God and the reality of God or the love of God or the justice of God, there's a hunger to say, God, I want more of that. And uh, please, will you, uh, you know, bless us with your presence? Uh, can we see your activity at work in us and through us and around us? And can we see you making a difference in our lives and in our lives of our family and our kids? And, and so we desire to see the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God at work. And so I, I want us to look, if you would, in Exodus uh, chapter 30, so you can just open your Bible there if you uh, want to follow along with me. I'm going to be reading uh, quite a bit of text here this morning. Uh, you know, one of the 
interesting responses that I've noticed when people have walked into our church, as you did this morning in the front doors, uh, there's been a common refrain over the years of a, from a number of different people who obviously would never know that somebody else has said a similar thing. And the common refrain has been this. When I came through the front doors, I experienced the presence of God. Now, they may or may not have used that language. They may have said, wow, when I came through these front doors, uh, something felt different. Or somebody else would walk through the front doors and says, wow, when I came through the front doors, uh, there was like a peace. Uh, or, you know, somebody else would say, well, I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of nervous coming to church. But when I came through the front doors, I just felt at home. And uh, all these expressions are things of how God uh, is, is at work. But it's also always a big mystery to me how, uh, you know, we might be, I might be preaching or we might be during, uh, having worship where we're singing to the Lord. And one person would be, you know, crying or experiencing the presence of God. And the person sitting right next to them in the same environment, coming through the doors in the same way, is totally distant, is distracted, doesn't sense God's presence at all. It's just a, a mystery because, you know, we can't manipulate God. But we can seek Him and we can experience Him. And uh, I pray that uh, today that you would experience God and uh, you would experience God's love for you. You know, this season that we're in, it's called Lent. And Lent is a 40-day period building up to a Good Friday. And Christian tradition has used this as a time of uh, trying to uh, prepare ourselves for Easter. The big idea here is that if you don't do anything to prepare yourself for Easter, you know, Easter just kind of happens. You, you walk in and it's like, hey, today's Easter. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, Jesus resurrected. Praise the Lord. And then you go home and, and it's like, wow. But if there's the sense of, can we prepare ourselves? And one of the ways of preparing ourselves is taking things out of our lives which might distract us from God. Uh, some people would be fasting, or other people might say, you know, I'm not going to watch as much TV, or whatever works for you. But there's some way of saying, how can I spend 40 days getting ready for Easter? And as we will see again and again in the Bible, in today's um, particularly, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments with God, but he spends 40 days. He needs 40 days in God's presence. 40 days, you know, for God to change his habits and change what he's experiencing. Uh, and we live in a, a microwave society. It's like we want to zip into church quickly, experience God, have our lives totally transformed, and zip out. And God often says, wait, wait, this to change habits or to experience the presence of God sometimes takes time and intentionality. And so that's how we approach this. Lenten season, we say, God, I want to experience you more. What can I do to prepare myself to experience you more? But let me just uh, read Exodus 34, 28, uh, talking about the, this 40 days. Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 
40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. When Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Uh, so here Moses is in the presence of God and sort of unbeknowing something has changed in his countenance. His face is glowing and radiating the presence of the Lord. So let me just uh, pray before I jump into the scripture here this morning. Jesus, we just pray that we can experience your presence this morning. Lord, we just pray as we move into this uh, Lenten season that we would be getting ourselves ready for a greater encounter with you, for more of you in our lives, that we can experience you, that you would change us and transform us to become more like you. And Lord, that we can be blessed by your presence. In your name, Jesus, empower this message today. Amen. Well, uh, as I said, I want to read from Exodus, and I want to read Exodus 33, and I'm retreading a little bit where Sarah preached last week. So if some of these verses are familiar, uh, take note, that's a good thing. Uh, God wants to emphasize the importance of his presence. Uh, chapter 33, verse 1 through 3 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Pezzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Okay, so context. Uh, Moses has been up at Mount Sinai, gets the Ten Commandments, and the people's build a golden calf, and Moses comes down, and it's a, me it's a complete mess. And now God is saying, I, God, will always be truthful and faithful and I will not break my promises and I will get you into the promised land. And, uh, but what's going to be different is God is saying, you will succeed, you will get to the promised land and it will be totally awesome. Just one small little thing. I'm not going with you. Now I'm going to send an angel to go with you. Now be happy and go. Now, let's just pause here for a moment. If God said to you, look, I'm going to bless you in your business. I mean, your business is going to take off. It's going to grow like unbelievably. But I'm not going to be with you. You'll be blessed. You'll make a ton of money, but I'm out. Or uh, maybe you're an athlete, and God says, listen, you're going to do really, really well. I mean, 
you're going to make it to the pros and you're going to be like a great professional athlete, but I'm not going to be with you. Or if you're musical, maybe, you know, you want to be a rock star. Guys, you, 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 I'm going to bless you with talent. Uh, you know, thousands of people are going to come and listen to you. You're going to be the hero and the center of attraction or a movie star. Everybody's going to watch your movies. You know, you're just going to be famous. But I'm just not going to be part of your life. But you will be blessed. Let me suggest that most people, like 95% of everybody that I know, would say, I'm in on that deal. Have my business blessed? Oh my gosh, be famous? I'm in. But Moses knows something different. He's like, wait, no, no go. I don't want that deal. And Moses is like, what? Go to the promised land with an angel? No, no go. God, it's you or nothing. If you're not with me, I don't want anything. You are everything. And so Moses just has this heart that God loves. He absolutely loves Moses' heart. Moses knew that the presence of God was not a luxury, but a necessity. It wasn't something like, you know, okay, we are Christians and we just go along and hey, if God shows up occasionally, oh, great. Moses saying, no, I, I desperately need God in my life. I need to experience God's guide, guidance and God's presence and God's provision. Without that, I don't want anything else. And so God is asking the same thing of us. He says, at what level do we desire God? How important is God to us? Is God just a means for us to get famous or rich? Or, or is God like the essence of what we desire? And our life becomes a life where we say, God, I want you in every part, in every facet, in every aspect of my life. And without you, God, my life is just empty. And I want a meaningful life. And a meaningful life is a life where you're present. Not only that, Moses then has this dialogue with God. And, you know, at this point, Moses experienced a tremendous amount of God. I mean, Moses experienced the ten plagues and taking the Israelites through the, 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 you know, the Red Sea and through the wilderness. But Moses again says, look, I am only just scratching the surface of getting to know God. And so Moses says to God, he says, God, look, first, you've got to go with us. Otherwise, I'm not going. And secondly, Moses is saying to God, please, can you like help me to understand who you are and your ways? And I want to know you better. And the little that I do know you is not enough. Uh, how can I please you? And friends, this is just a great attitude and response that we should all have. It's like, God, you are, you know, the object of our focus, and we just want to know you and your ways uh, better. So let me just read this to you. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, 
but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. I mean, you said an angel, but Moses like, uh-uh. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably upon you. In other words, Moses is saying back to God, you said that you know me and you're going to bless me, but there's something like missing here. And he says, if it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. Now, there's an insight that we are going to learn God's ways more and more till the day we die. We never get to the point where we know everything there is to know about God. There's no need to pursue God anymore. You know, we've been to church for five years and now we've got it all figured out. Don't need that anymore. No, Moses experienced God in a way that we'll probably never experience God. And he is saying, God, the more I get to know you, the more I want to know you. And the more I get to know you, the more I realize there's so much more to know about you. And the more I get to realize how much there is to know about you, the more I realize how applicable it is to me and to those around me. And when I walk in your ways and walk in your truth, it's super rewarding and it's a blessing to me and everybody around me. And Moses is saying, I want that. I want more of that. Let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Okay, God, you know, Moses is doing a good job here of saying, you, God, I am not. I'm sweating each other with all these people. These are not my people. They're your people. And it's good for us to remind God again and again that of the promises that God has made to us. Maybe God has given you a you know, prophetic word or a promise or a vision and it hasn't come to pass yet or it feels like it's distant and it's good to remind God and say, God, remember, you, know, you promised me this or God, uh, you know, I really thought you know, when I served you in this capacity that I was doing your will. Where did I go wrong? Uh, remind God about the things that you just feel insecure about. But the Lord replied, and this is probably the most incredible words that you or I could ever hear from God. I mean, if we hear this from God, we would be truly blessed. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. Okay, God's changed his mind. I'm not sending an, an angel. I'm going to go with you, Moses. I'm, I'm answering your prayer. I'm going to... Do what you've asked me to do, Moses. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. Now, when God says he gives us rest, he's talking about a rest at a level that, you know, we really hunger for. It's not the kind of rest where, okay, let's take the afternoon off and, you know, watch the TV, watch some sports or, or read a book. And then when you finish that, you're like, you're still stressed. It's the kind of rest that like your worries and your concerns are removed and the peace of God is there and that when you've entered into this rest, there's a rejuvenation that comes about. That's the type of rest that uh, Jesus is talking about uh, and God is talking about that he wants to give us. So God says he knows our ways and it's our desire to know his ways. And then what are God's ways? Well, we see them in two places here. We 
We see them in verse 20 uh, or verse 19. For I will show you mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. God is saying He's a God of mercy and compassion, and He'll choose whoever He wants to choose. Often not the people we would choose. And God says, I'll choose whoever I want to choose. And then in chapter 34, verse uh, 6, it says this, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. And now God is telling Moses who he is and what his personality is like. And he's answering Moses' question of God. I I need to know you in more detail, in more depth. And God is revealing this to Moses. The God of compassion and mercy. God is saying, I have compassion and mercy on you, Moses, and on you, and on people around you. Uh, God knows who to show compassion to and who to show mercy to. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I mean, God is not stingy. He's lavish in his love. The book of Exodus, you know, when we look at the presence of God, it starts with the presence of God, and it ends with the presence of God, and it's punctuated with the presence of God in this chapter. So in the beginning of the book, Moses' first encounter with God is at the burning bush. Moses has this encounter with God that goes way beyond intellect. He encounters God's essence, his presence, and he's transformed forever. And in this particular passage, uh, Moses is being up the mountain with God, and he's saying, God, I still need more. I need your presence. And God says, okay, Moses, I'm going to show you my presence. And uh, the book ends with uh, God saying, okay, Moses, you need to build a new tabernacle. And when the tabernacle is built and finished, and, you know, these are probably... the the tent is probably nothing fancy. I mean, it's probably made with skin, probably badger skin, you know, gray uh, and whatever. What distinguished the place or the tent was the presence of God. And so if we look at the end of Exodus chapter 40, the book closes with the tabernacle being completed and the Lord fills the tabernacle with his presence. In verse chapter 40, verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I mean, it's just this wonderful conclusion to this book of saying, if we can experience the presence of God, we can experience like all that we really need, the reality of the living God. So, you know, from a practical standpoint, why would you want the presence of God in your life? I mean, from these scriptures that we've been looking, and if you've got your bulletin insert, you know, I've got a bunch of fill-in-the-blanks here. You may want to fill this in, maybe, maybe not. But why would you want to experience the presence of God in your life? Well, knowing that you will succeed. Exodus 33:14. God says, listen, I promise you that you will succeed. 
If you're in my presence and you're in my will and you're doing what I'm asking you to do, you will succeed. That's pretty comforting. Why would you want to experience the presence of God in your life? Knowing that it will go well with you. God is saying it will go well with you. You would look back on your life and say, that was a good life. It went, didn't say it's going to be easy. He's going to say it'll go well with you. You will have struggles. But when you look back on your life, you would say, wow, I experienced a life that was blessed. And then the presence of God to give you this rest, this deep kind of a rest where you wake up and you feel energized and you want to engage. God also promises us that if we get into His presence, He'd give us guidance. He would give us direction, like personal guidance, like He'll show us and lead us. And then in chapter 34 uh, that I just read, God said He will help us out with His presence, with experiencing His compassion and His mercy. Uh, It's good to know that as much as we mess up, God says, I am slow to anger and I want to forgive you and help you. And then God is saying his love is just unfailing. Well, the obvious question then is, well, how would somebody experience God's presence? We're not Moses. We can't uh, run up a mountain. We, uh, you know, God may not have called us in that particular way. And uh, yet, from the New Testament standpoint, I mean, we can experience the presence of God in a way like greater than Moses. I mean, it's actually incredible what God is, is saying to us through Christ in the New Testament. But the, the starting point for experiencing the presence of God would be, have you asked Jesus into your life? Now, let me just park there for a moment. You may have come to this church for weeks, for months. You may have come here for years. And you might say, yes, I enjoy coming here. I enjoy hearing about God. I enjoy singing to God. Uh, You might say, I've actually grown in knowing about God. But there's something fundamentally different to saying, have you received God? Now, from a New Testament standpoint, what we are saying, when we're saying, can we receive God, we're asking the Holy Spirit, the living God, the the presence of God that filled that tabernacle to fill you personally. Now, I I, want to give you a chance, not right now, but as I finish this message, to ask Jesus into your life if you've never done that. Or if you've, you know, maybe you've kind of grown because you've kept coming to church, but there's never been a time in your life where you said, yes, Jesus, I want to receive you. And I want to give you a a chance at the end of this, uh, in about five minutes, to, to do that. But it might also be that you have asked Jesus into your life, but you've never done it in a sort of a public way. It's been something that's kind of been private, and you haven't actually been baptized yet, 
And what I'm suggesting is that if you want to grow and you want to experience more of God, there is something very powerful and maybe scary about publicly saying, God, I want you into my life. Uh, it just makes a huge difference being a believer versus being an attender. Uh, there's something that God is saying. He doesn't just want you to believe about God. He wants you to receive God. Uh, it's more than just attending. It's more than just believing. It's receiving. And then there's this sense of saying, okay, I'm hearing this, and I want to experience God, and I need to put this into practice. But from a, you know, how did I get there? How can we experience the presence of God? Well, the starting point is receiving God. But if you've received Christ at some points in your life and you're a believer, how do you experience the presence of God? You know, it's so interesting to me, when we go in Spain, in traveling Spain, in many of the settings that we go into, people are saying to me, like, Rob, can you give a prophetic word to somebody? Or uh, they use language like, okay, uh, Let's just make some space at the end of the meeting for God to minister to um, whoever God wants to minister to and say, you know, Rob and Liz, can you, can you do that? Because people around the world are hungry for the presence of God. They want to experience the presence of God. And even in this trip, uh, I was greatly encouraged when I saw a friend of mine who, you know, seven years ago, I thought the Lord was calling him to do something in ministry. And he just, he just didn't expect it. And now, here we're sitting in his house, we, we're sleeping in his house, and he's running a small group, a life group, and it's the first time he's run this group, and he's got uh, like 10 people there. And uh, he said to me, he said, Rob, okay, look, I'm going to do the teaching because I want to do it in Spanish. And then when we finish doing the teaching, if you'll pray for some people and just do whatever you feel God wants you to do. And so this is what we did. And then, by the way, because it's Spain, and then when we finish that at 11.30 at night, we'll have dinner together, and everybody stays for dinner. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. They do dinner at the end so they don't get all sleepy and whatever not. We have lots of, uh, I was going to say coffee, but actually if I remember the table is wine and beer, but, you know, whatever. And half the table were not, there were people there that weren't Christians and there were Christians there. And here was my experience. I start praying for this one lady, and man, my hand starts like just burning up. And I'm like, I say to this lady, are you experiencing what I'm experiencing? And she's like shaking and she's sweating and she's, and like something profound is happening in her and with her. And, and I don't, I can't really explain it. And, and so I'm trying to have my friend come around and explain to them, you know, what's going on and, you know, what we might be seeing. And, and so this, finally, after a prayer time, we have this lady sharing. I, I still don't remember what God was doing, but the presence of God, you know, got hold of her. Now, here's the mystery. On the other side of the table, there's another lady sitting there, and uh, I spoke to her afterwards, and she's like, yeah, like, you know, I, I just don't know where God is. I'm like, I don't know how to find God. I'm like, and I'm like go figure. That's God. One person right over here is experiencing the power of God. Another person over here is like just totally clueless. Like, you know, where's dinner? 
So God moves in all sorts of ways, but how do we experience the God with the presence of God? Well, the, the best way is to be where the presence of God is. You know, if God is showing up at church, which is where he loves to show up, be there. And the reason we experience the presence of God at church is because God fills believers with his presence. And where the presence, uh, where people gather, the presence of God gathers. Which is also why many people love to go to conferences. Because when you have a huge gathering of believers and there's a huge amount of worship, uh, often the presence of God just seems to be concentrated. But it doesn't mean to say the presence of God can't be present in a small group. It absolutely can be. And it doesn't mean to say that God's presence can't be experienced if you go on a retreat alone to seek God. Uh, you know, seeking God in a retreat or a setting is just powerful because you're pushing everything else out of the way and saying, God, I want to seek you and hear from you. God loves to... Show us His presence when we pray. God loves to show us His presence when we read His Word, the Bible. I, uh, I want to just uh, finish with a New Testament uh, rendition of how much more powerful uh, our situation is in Jesus. You know, if we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3.13, it says this, We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the people would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. In other words, often when you read the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, some people, they just like fall asleep. They're just like, oh, checking out. It's like so boring. Uh, and other people are like, Wait a bit, the Spirit of God is moving here and they're being stimulated. It says, and this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Friends, there's something fundamental about saying, God, I'm asking you to remove the boredom of the Bible or the boredom of religion or the boredom of church by changing it, by removing the veil that's over my face and give me life. Give me Jesus. Give me the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. And uh, it says, yes, even today when we read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with a veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And in verse 8, it says, should we not experience greater glory? than Moses, because we have the Holy Spirit. And yes, this is the promise of God. So friends, this is what I want us to do today. If you have not asked Jesus, I, I want to ask you to do something scary. I mean, it might just be one person here or two, two people here. But if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I, I, I'm going to ask you to stand, not just yet. I'm going to ask you to stand. On the other hand, if you've Receive Christ, but you've never done it in a public way. I'm going to ask you to stand. Now, for some of you, you might be like me. You might be introverted. You might be like, I don't want to be a public, you know, it's difficult. Do me a favor. If you've come with somebody, just right now, squeeze their hand and ask them, can they stand with you? Just as a, a sign of support. Like, okay, 
Because I think this is vitally important that we make sure that we know that we have asked the Spirit of the living God to live within us. Now I'm going to add an, a third category which is a little bit more general. And that is, like, if you just feel like, okay, I, I've received Christ in the past, but it didn't feel like it stuck. I mean, it's like... A, it didn't work. And you say, God, I, I'm asking you again. I want to believe in you. I want to receive you today. If that's you, just stand or have somebody stand with you. I, I just want to give you an opportunity to experience the power of God before we go into worship. If that's you, just stand. Let's just, let's just give God an opportunity to change our situation. Anybody else? I just want to pray blessing anybody else god bless you i just pray that god would continue to do the things in your life that only god can do anybody else before we move on you're basically saying i haven't asked jesus into my life or you're saying i've never done it publicly and i want to experience a renewed life the power of jesus in my life you haven't yet been baptized you haven't un understood that Anybody else that just wants to say, yes, Jesus. Why don't we all stand and let's just worship. They have the worship team. Come on up. I, I want to pray for all of us for a renewed presence of God. Lord Jesus, I just know that our life starts in you when we believe in you and we receive you. And you fill us, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit. But Lord, I also pray for every person present here today that they would experience your love anew, again, fresh. Lord, as we gather together now and we lift our eyes to you and we pray to you, And worship you. Speak to us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us, Lord. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to live within us to change us from within, to give this life purpose and meaning. In your name, Jesus, we just thank you. Amen.